So in, uh, in our old house, I could never get the grass to grow in the tree lawn. How many of you know what a tree lawn is? So you have the sidewalk, and you got the road, and that little strip of grass that's between the sidewalk and the road, I've always called the tree lawn. Now, you might call it something else. It was about 70% weeds. So I tried to treat it, and I coaxed it, and I planted a little seed, and I watered it, and nothing, man. 70% weeds. So finally, I killed it all. I sprayed it with whatever that stuff is. I tilled it all up. I added some peat moss. I added some topsoil. I tilled it all up again. And then I threw in some grass seed, I threw in some fertilizer, and I watered it. I watered it every night for about two weeks, and the grass began to grow. Now, among that grass, though, was this weird little weed that I had never seen before. It ended up being a lot easier to manage, and I was happy with the result. But either in the topsoil or in the peat moss, there was this seed for this little weed. The seeds that we plant in water are going to grow. Both the good seeds and the bad seeds, the seeds that we plant in water are going to grow. I want to talk to you this morning about some seeds that we plant every day. And I want to make sure that what we're planting is good and healthy so when it comes up, we don't have weeds growing in our garden. The seeds I'm talking about this morning are the thoughts we hold in our minds, the thoughts we repeat to ourselves and to others over and over and over again. The garden that they come up in is our hearts and our minds, our attitudes and our habits. This garden is our life, and we need to be careful what seeds we are planting in it. Let me ask you a question today. How many of you spend much of your time dissatisfied? Frustrated, fearful, disappointed, discouraged, stressed, or doubtful about a good future. Can I tell you today that these are results of negative thoughts? They are the fruit, the harvest of negative thoughts. Now, we have little and sometimes no control over what happens to us. But we can and we must control how we respond to what happens to us. Let me say that again. We have little or no control over what happens to us, but we must control how we respond to it. Right? Negative thoughts that we have given too much place to, too much authority to, too much power to, will lead and direct our lives. Author and pastor Craig Rochelle, in his book, Winning the War in Your Mind, we did a series in the church. If you've not um, listened to it, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Think about that for a second. And think about what are your strongest thoughts. If that's true, and I believe that it is, then we need to make sure our strongest thoughts are positive, life-giving, faith-directing, peace-releasing, and freedom-producing. We're dissatisfied because we focus on the things we don't have. Because we focus on the things we want, the things we wish we had, or even perhaps the ways we wish we were instead of the way we are. Instead of being grateful and satisfied for who we are. 
being grateful and satisfied with what we have, while we continue to seek God's best future. We're frustrated because we focus on the opportunities that seem blocked to us instead of appreciating the opportunities that we have before us and giving our all to them. We're fearful and worried because we focus on all the things that could go wrong instead of choosing to believe God in the face of our trial. We allow worry, fear, and doubt to distract and to derail us. Negative thoughts grow into negative behaviors and attitudes. Thoughts are like seeds, and if we want a positive harvest, then we need to sow positive thoughts over and over and over again. Because whatever seeds we plant and water, what's going to happen? They're going to grow. We can sow positive thoughts, positive seeds in our lives that will help us to find new freedom. How many of you would like a little new freedom in your life? Come on, somebody. How many of you would like some new joy? How about some new faith? How about new devotion? How about some new expectation that I wake up in the morning expecting something good is going to happen to me today? When most of the time we get out of bed and we're wondering what is going to go wrong next? We can sow positive thoughts, positive seeds in our lives that will help us. I want to talk to you this morning about defeating negative thoughts. Defeating negative thoughts. I'm going to encourage you, if you're not taking notes, I encourage you to grab a pen, grab a piece of paper, and take some notes. Do you know that you are going to remember a whole lot more of what you write down? And if, and if there's nothing here you need to remember Friends, I'm not doing my job. I want to talk to you this morning about defeating negative thoughts. We can defeat negative thoughts about ourselves. How many of you have negative thoughts about yourself? Yeah. We can defeat negative thoughts about ourselves, about our loved ones. Yeah, I won't even ask you that. Our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers... We can defeat negative thoughts about our current circumstances, about our challenges, and about the future before us. There are three powerful weapons. Somebody say powerful. There are three powerful weapons that will help us to win this fight. The first weapon we need to use is to defeat negative thoughts. The first weapon we need to use to defeat negative thoughts is, number one, the truth of God. The truth of God. We talked about this a little bit, men's breakfast. Yesterday, Lloyd and Jason and I. One of the best predictors of our behavior in the future is based on how we see ourselves. One of the best predictors of our behavior is based on how we see ourselves, what we see as our identity. There are things that I do or don't do because I'm a pastor. There's things I do and don't do because I'm a husband. There's things I do and don't do because I'm a father. My behavior is based on my identity. Often when confronted with a behavior, we will often say something like, that's just the way I am. Anybody ever thought it or said it? Just the way I am. 
our identity, how we identify ourselves, how we see ourselves will often determine our behavior. If we feel like we're broken, we are going to act broken. If we feel like this is just part of my personality, I'm just going to give into it from time to time. Guess what's going to happen? Our identity is the best predictor of our future behavior. And identity is such a... I don't know if any of you watched the news lately, um, last four years or so, but identity is a very controversial topic in the age that we live in. But if you want to figure out how something is supposed to work, you have a tool, you have a toy, you have an instrument, you have anything and you're trying to figure out how it's supposed to work, generally you get online and you go look at the manufacturer's instructions. Right? You go look at the manual. You look it up online, you see, man, this, what's it? Is supposed to fit into this, who's it, and somehow it's not coming together, and I need to figure out if not, then you go to YouTube. Hopefully something from the manufacturer, because you know old Larry is out there in the backyard, and he's kicking it with his shoe, and he's beating it with his hammer, and then all of a sudden it works, so you should try it too. The manufacturer is always the best place to go to understand how something is supposed to work. The one who made it knows best how to use it and how to fix it. Somebody said Amen. Now, we are also best served by looking to our maker to show us our best, our most satisfying, our most healthy, our most productive use, purpose, and meaning for our lives. Our maker knows how our lives are supposed to work. He designed us that way. They work this way when we use them the way that we're designed. I believe the best way to understand our identity must be what the manufacturer says it is. How many are you with me? When we look at the Bible, it tells us that the very best way to live a life is to live it in Christ. Somebody say, in Christ. That means united to Christ by faith. In Christ is to be united to Him by faith. When we surrender to Him, He puts life inside of us. Come on, somebody. How many of you know what that feels like? We surrendered our life to Him and He put His life inside of us. What we give up is temporary and flawed and filled with uncertainty and weakness, but what he gives us in return is supernatural, abundant, powerful life that redefines who we are, what we have, and what we can do. Come on, somebody. What we give up is nothing compared to what we get in return. Well, I don't want to give up my life. I don't want to surrender. Friend, what in the world are you waiting on? Here I have this old crumpled up $1 bill, but if I turn it in, I'm going to get 1,200 pounds of gold bullion. Come on, somebody. No, I don't know. I like this dollar, though. I've had this dollar a long time. This dollar is kind of like my good, this is like my good luck dollar. Me and my dollar, we're tight. But I'm going to give you $8 billion worth of gold if you just give me your dollar. I don't know. Friends, that's what we're talking about here. The life that we give up, it's temporary, flawed, filled with uncertainty and weakness. But what he gives us in return is supernatural and powerful, abundant, eternal life that redefines us, opens up doors we could have never got through on our own. When we are in Christ, we are living the life the way God designed it. When we're in Christ, that just means united to Christ by faith. In Christ I am. 
right? In Christ I am. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I'm free from condemnation. I'm saved from sin. In Christ, I am a brand new creation from the inside out. In Christ, I am. In Christ, I have. I have supernatural wisdom and understanding. I have purpose and direction. I have authority over the enemy. In Christ, I have everything I need to live a godly life. In Christ, I am. In Christ, I have. In Christ, I can. I can enjoy peace with God in a close, personal relationship with the creator of the universe. In Christ, I can receive grace and help in my time of need. I can expect supernatural direction and provision. I can do all things. Somebody say all. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In Christ, I am. In Christ, I have. In Christ, I can. And in Christ, I will. I will be alive forever in the presence of God. In Christ, I will believe. In Christ, I will walk by faith. In Christ, I will overcome. I will forgive. I will love. I will live with expectation and hope. In Christ, I will be who God has called me to be, and I will do what God has called me to do. In Christ, I am. In Christ, I have. In Christ, I can. And in Christ, I will. These truths are so vitally important because negative thoughts are going to try to talk us out of these unbelievable opportunities that are found in Christ. Condemning thoughts will come with great detail how we are not enough. How we don't have what we need. How we are consistently unable. But when we believe what God says about us more than we trust our feelings more than we trust our understanding, more than we trust our experience, more than we trust our opinion, more than we trust all that other stuff, then we begin to live in Christ. It goes beyond being just a correct theological statement and it becomes a powerful supernatural reality. Romans ten seventeen. So then faith, somebody say faith. Faith comes from hearing the message and the message comes through preaching Christ. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, that when David was faced with great difficulty, he encouraged himself in the Lord. We need to not just share God's word with others, we need to preach it to ourselves over and over and over again until we get it. Uh, if, if you put money into a, uh, into a vending machine and you're trying to get out of ice cold water, right, because you're drinking healthy, you're trying to get out some ice cold water and you put some pennies in the slot and nothing comes out, and you keep putting pennies or quarters in the slot until you get your water because you're thirsty. Sometimes we just got to keep putting the pennies in the slot. We just say, man, in Christ I am, in Christ I have, in Christ I can, and in Christ I will. We just got to keep putting the pennies in the slot, friends, until the water comes out. Until the joy comes out, until the peace comes out, until the strength rises. We just got to keep putting the pennies in the slot. In Christ I can, in Christ I am, in Christ I have, and in Christ I will. David encouraged himself in the Lord. How do you learn, how to, how do you learn anything? Repetition. How do you learn how to play the piano? Repetition. How do you learn how to work on cars? Repetition. How do you learn a new language? Repetition. 
We need to learn and repeat this language of heaven when the voices of condemnation and guilt, when deception and hopelessness and despair come to preach to us. We need to repeat and learn the language of heaven and speak it in the midst of all of the stuff that's happening. Man, I'm not going to trust my opinions. I'm not going to trust my feelings. Man, I'm going to go with what God says. We can defeat the constant stream of negative thoughts that come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. One of the most powerful weapons we have in this fight is the truth of God. We need to identify verses from God's Word that speak to the weakness we have. Anybody in the room have any weaknesses other than me? Is it just me? Yeah. So we find some verses from God's Word that speak to that weakness. Maybe you need patience. Maybe you need um, kindness. Maybe you need to stop looking at some stuff. Maybe you need to start spending time with God. Maybe you need to speak to your family members in a more loving way. Maybe you need to be more patient. I don't know. Whatever it is that you need to do, find some verses. And just keep dropping that penny in the slot. Preach the language of heaven to yourself. Because the language of the enemy, the language of condemnation, of fear, of doubt is going to continue to stream, to be downloaded into your mind. The only filter we have is God's word, pushing back against the darkness. Pushing back against the lies and the deception. You can try to stand in your opinion. You can try to figure out what they're saying online and you can see what they're saying on Facebook and you can try to go with that if you want to. But friends, see if I can dig it out here. Hold on, man. I lost my moment. I'm going to go with this. Come on, somebody. This isn't going away. It's going to last forever. This is the one thing you can put your whole entire life on. Put your whole hope in. God gave us these words to show us what he's like, to tell us how to live and teach us how to die so that we can live forever with him. We need to identify verses from God's word that speak to the weaknesses we have, the struggles we face, the lies we believe, and consistently declare them in our minds and over our lives. In the name of Jesus, right? In the name of Jesus, I ain't doing that anymore. In the name of Jesus, I'm not going to be that man. I'm not going to be the man that talks all angry to my family and make, treats them like dirt because they got in the middle of whatever I was doing. I'm not going to be that man. I'm not going to be that man that's all crazy. Somebody cuts me off on the freeway. They have the audacity to drive the speed limit in the fast lane. What in the world's the matter with them? I am not going to be that man that's like, I'm not going to be that man. God help me. I want to be the same man every day that I am right here, right now. We all need to be the same person every day that we are right here. We need to identify verses from God's word that speak to the weaknesses we have, the struggles we face, the lies we believe, and consistently declare them in our minds and over our lives. Faith will grow, friends. Strength will come, provision will arrive, and hope can bloom again. I promise you. I want to defeat the negative thoughts that are going to come. If you want to defeat them with me, we need to declare the truth of God's word. But that's not the only weapon in our disposal, friends. We have more. Not only do we have the truth of God, but number two, we have the love of God. 
We have the love of God because so many of the negative thoughts that we think deal with other people. Come on, somebody. So many of the negative thoughts that we have to deal with are about other people. We don't like something they've done. We don't like what they said. We don't like their attitude. We don't like how they treated us. We don't like how they live or what they believe. And we assume we know the motivation why they did, said, whatever. We're pretty positive. We know exactly why they said what they said, why they did what they did, why they're acting like they're acting. Oh, I know. No, you don't. You don't. And then we rehearse these offenses, these disagreements, these misunderstandings, and these judgments over and over and over again in our mind until we're the good guy and they're the bad guy. Come on, somebody. I'm building a case why I'm right and why you're wrong. And man, I'm ready. At a moment's notice, when you come at me, I'm going to whip it out and I'm going to give it to you. How? Come on, somebody. I've been gargling with gunpowder and I'm ready to shoot my mouth off. Come on. I know I'm the only one that does that, though. I know none of you. You are all too much too nice and way too sweet to do anything like that. You don't rehearse those offenses, disagreements, misunderstanding, and judgments over and over and over and over and over again until we convince ourselves that we are so right and they are so obviously wrong. 1 Peter chapter 3, 8, and 9. Finally, all of you, somebody say all. All of you be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another, be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing. Somebody say blessing. Since you were called for this, so that you may inherit a blessing. Seek common ground. Be sympathetic. Choose to love and show compassion. Humbly consider that we could have some wrong in the situation as well. I, let me just give you a shortcut. There is hardly any. There are cases of abuse, and I'm not talking about that when I say this, but there are um, almost no, there's almost never a completely innocent party. Not in cases of abuse. Don't hear me say that. Abuse is a different thing, but you're just talking about normal interaction between people. Almost none of us are completely innocent. We said something we couldn't, didn't have to say. We had a little bit, we left a little bit of edge on something we said we didn't have to, right? None of us are completely innocent in some of this stuff. So we just need to start looking at ourselves as well. It's not just them. They may have given you attitude, but how many times you give them attitude before they gave it back to you? How many times did you treat them like they were, you know, the redheaded stepchild before they finally gave a little bit back to you and you went, what's that, you know, what's going on with that? What's that all about? Seek common ground, be sympathetic, choose to love and show compassion, humbly consider that we could be wrong too. James 1, 19 and 20, dear brothers, we preached about this not long ago, and I'll be jumping back into James probably after Crave. My dear brothers, James 1, 19 and 20, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Quick, slow, slow. Right? Listen more, speak less, and don't just automatically assume that your anger is justified. Oh, no, you didn't. Well, I have righteous indignation. I'm like Jesus. 
Come on, man. Come on, bro. <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't as righteous as Jesus. Now, there may be a little bit of that that might be justified, but don't be giving all this credit to yourself. Well, I'm just, man, I'm the side of right, and if I'm angry, it's because I got righteous indignation. Brother, just take a step back and think about it. Do not be so quick to assume that your anger is justified. The Bible over and over and over and over and over says be slow to anger. Colossians 3, 12 and 13. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. So since God is transforming us from sinful to holy, which is what He's doing, transforming us from sinful to holy, and since He gives us love we don't deserve... Offer that kind of compassion, kindness, gentleness, and patience that you've received and would like to continue to receive. Jesus said it like this, do unto others as you would want them to do to you. We can't just receive all this grace and all this mercy and all this kindness and then hold it to ourselves. I ain't letting you have any. Just offer me. Because I'm his favorite. I don't know how he feels about you, but he loves me. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the sons of God. Choose to believe the best about others. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Don't fight for your rights in every situation, and God will bless you. This is hard for me, because I want it to be right, and I want it to be fair. Friends, you can't fight for your rights. You can't always fight for your rights. The Bible says sometimes we got to turn the other cheek. That sometimes instead of fighting for our rights, we have to just bless them. Because in that blessing, we will receive blessing back from God. I'm telling you, you can try to stand and fight over every little thing, but I'm, I can tell you from experience, it's going to do nothing but wear you out and make you miserable. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. We can count every offense and keep record of every wrong, but it will only make us enemies of grace. I do not want to be an enemy of grace. Makes us enemies of grace and puts us in opposition to God's desires. I was talking about this with somebody a couple weeks ago. It's hard work to carry a grudge around. Anybody ever carried a grudge around for any length of time? Whoo! That is hard work, friend. That thing just gets heavier and heavier and heavier. How many know what I'm talking about? And then you got to, oh, no, I'm mad at them. I can't call them. I can't talk to them. I'm still mad. I'm still mad at you. I ain't talking to you. I can be nice to you. I can laugh at your joke. I'm still mad at you. So I'm just going to sit over here. Man, it is hard work carrying around a grudge, friend. We just got to let them go. We need to let them go and move forward with freedom, with rest, with grace and love and forgiveness. Let God keep score. We, your, your notebook isn't big enough. You're, you're, you're not strong enough to carry that list around. Let God keep score, man. Let it go. Let's choose to believe the best about one another instead of suspecting the worst. Right? Well, did you see? I bet that's because of this. You know that's why they're looking at me like that. You know that's what they're whispering over there in the corner. They're talking about me. No, they, they don't even know you're there. They don't even know you're in the room, friend. It is hard work carrying grudges around. 
Knowing that we don't deserve God's love, we can't earn His grace, they are given away as gifts to all who will receive. And to much who has been given much, much is required, right? God, for much as we have received, He wants us to do what? Give. How many of you, God's been more gracious to you than you deserve? Come on, somebody. How many of you received grace, forgiveness, kindness, love? Much more than we deserve. So what is God wants us to do with it? This will help free us from the negative thoughts about the people in our lives. Friends, you can either keep score or you can be happy. Uh, somebody gave Sarah and I some really good advice um, early on in our marriage, and it's a cliche, but it's true. You can be right or you can be happy. That's the truth, man. Tattoo that on the back of your eyelids. You can be right or you can be happy. Write it in Sharpie on your forehead backwards. So when you look in the mirror, you see it every day. You can be right or you can be happy. Are you going to wrestle? Man, I'm right. No, no, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. Oh, whatever. Often when we are critical of others, we assume that they are just as... Here's another piece that... When we're critical of others, we assume that they're just as critical about us. Come on now. And that puts us in a cycle of never giving grace or expecting to receive it from others. When you're really hard, when you're really hard on yourself, you're going to be hard on others. When you're hard on others, you're expecting that they're going to be hard on you too. The same judgment that you're using on them, well, they're, they're, they're a bunch of hypocrites. They're, they do this and they don't do that. And you feel the same way. You're like, well, they're looking at me too. And, I, and deep down, you kind of don't trust them and they kind of don't trust you because you feel like there's this lack of grace. There's this lack of generosity between people. It just says, hey, you know what? You're, you're broken and you're, you're messed up and I'm broken and I'm messed up. Let's just... Um, let's just go forward together. The love of God is a powerful weapon to defeat negative and destructive thoughts in our lives. God is so much better at keeping score than we are. Let Him take care of it. It is above our pay grade to monitor every person's attitude and motives and behaviors and habits. Let go of the disappointments and the offenses. Can I just encourage you right now? You got disappointments in your mind. You got offenses in your heart. Can you just like, in your mind, just rip them up right now and let them go? Throw them in the air and let, them, let the wind take them away like confetti. Disappointments and offenses, let them go. Disagreements and misunderstandings, let them go. But there's parts of us say, but it's not fair. I get this. Golly, I get this. You, we might protest... But friends, it's not going to be fair this side of heaven. You can't force it and push it into this box. It's not going to happen. I'd like to change that if I could. Let go of the disappointments and the offenses. Let go of the disagreements and the misunderstandings. We have to challenge the destructiveness of negative thoughts in our lives. Or they are going to eat us up. Our, our garden is going to be full of weeds. How many of you want to get the weeds out of your garden? we got to challenge the destructiveness of negative thoughts. We can defeat them by confessing the truth of God. By extending the love of God. And lastly, number three, by receiving the power of God. By receiving the power of God. We've discussed powerful weapons. 
weapons in this fight against the negative thoughts that would come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We confess the word of God and make room for the love of God. We invite supernatural transformation in our lives. But there's still another source of God's power that's available to us. The very presence of God. The very presence of God in our lives, making room for the influence, the encouragement, the direction, the conviction, and the transformation that comes from the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many would all would like some of that? Romans 8, 11. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal, mortal bodies to life through His Spirit who lives in you. Some may say power. Over and over again, when the Bible... I did not list them here. I, I could have put... There's so many verses I wanted to put here and I didn't because I'm already on page 10 and that means that it's already late. Over and over again, when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, the word power is used. The Holy Spirit offers us power to be free from fear. The Holy Spirit offers us power to fill us with hope, to enable our lives to demonstrate God's character and enable us to do God's will. How many of you would like some supernatural ability to do God's will? Some supernatural ability to demonstrate God's character. That comes from a personal relationship, from connection, from making room for the Holy Spirit in our lives. There is supernatural power from God that activates transformation in the deepest parts of who we are. We can try to conform ourselves on the outside, shine us up, you know, say, I'm going to talk better, I'm going to be more patient, but these things have to change from the inside out. They have to change our identity, how we see ourselves, and God has to come in and heal and deposit His life down in there, His power down in there. We become a new creation, and all of a sudden, we want to do what's right. All of a sudden, joy is trying to bubble to the surface. We, we pack it down with other stuff because we, you know, we're too busy doing that, but if we will make some room, joy will come. We'll take some time. Peace will come. We'll take some time. There would be thoughts that lead us towards God instead of away from Him. It's life change that happens in the deepest parts of who we are. Life change that causes us to want truth instead of error. That leads us towards love instead of indifference or suspicion. A transformation that affects us. Um, towards what's right and good, towards what's holy and glorious. The Holy Spirit directs our attention to what is above and not to what is below. It helps us to live out a heavenly perspective here today. If we're willing to recognize our weakness and acknowledge our need for His strength. Friends, this, is a, this seems to be a really big problem for us just to acknowledge, God, I need your help I'm messed up in a bunch of these ways, and I need you to help me. I have need for you in my life. This creates a vacuum. This creates a vacuum that, rush, that God wants to rush in and fill. If we're willing to just recognize our weakness, acknowledge our need for strength, for His power to come and change us, to revive us, to convict us, to make us more like Jesus, our weakness will create a natural vacuum of sorts that aches for some kind of solution, some kind of provision. 
Many of us have spent a large part of our lives, myself included, trying to fill that vacuum with all kinds of unhealthy things. Drugs, alcohol, relationships. I spent so much of my life chasing after something that would fill this vacuum, that would fill this hole. But if we're willing to identify our weakness, refuse short-term and unhealthy fixes, and make room for the power of God, we can find new victory over negative and unhealthy thoughts that steals our hope, that kills our strength, and that destroys our faith. How many of you want to get the weeds out of the garden? God makes His power available to us, but we must receive it. And we can do that Lacey, are you able to come and help me? Friends, before we leave here today, and I, I don't want to belabor this. I don't want to draw this out. I know I've kept you a long time already, and I thank you for your patience. But friends, I just don't want to leave here without identifying what does God want you to do with what you've heard. It's, I have no desire to just, um, for us just listen to some messages and sing some songs and leave and not be changed. God has no desire for that. I don't believe that's his heart for church and this church especially at all. God wants us to be changed in His embrace. What does God want you to do with what you've heard today? We do not have to suffer the effects of negative thoughts. Our relationships can be better. Our faith can be stronger. We can have greater peace. We can enjoy more freedom. We can have more faith. We have powerful weapons at our disposal. We have to choose to fight. If you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Let's just focus our hearts before we leave. I've got to ask you, how does God want you to respond to what you've heard today? How does God want you to respond to what you've heard today? Maybe you're listening to me this morning. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're even in this room. And you say, Tim, you know, I've never really uh, surrendered to Jesus in a way that's allowed him to put his life inside of me. That's begun that transformation from light to from darkness to light, from death to life, from sinful to forgiven. And I, I'm ready to do that today. I want to sign up, man. I want to push in all my chips. I, I want to be all in for Jesus. I'm all done messing around. I'm all done, you know, trying to stand on both sides. I want to be all in for Jesus. I want to give my life to Him today. I I want to know what it feels like to be forgiven, to be brand new on the inside, to be able to start fresh with new hope, with new faith, with new life. If that's you today, you've you've never really received Jesus before. You say, man, I, I want to go all in with Jesus. Maybe you're here in this room. I just encourage you to lift your hand towards heaven today. Maybe you're online watching either now or later. I just encourage you, just write in the thing, man, I'm all in. Just write in the comment, I'm all in. I'm all in today. I want to give my heart and my life to Jesus. I want to be in Christ. I want to surrender my life to Him and give Him my life so that He gives me His. I want to be in Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you've already prayed that prayer. You've been walking with Jesus for a while, but but you're, you're not as in Christ as you need to be, as you want to be. You've got a lot of weeds in the garden and you want to get them out. tell him this morning, God, I want to be all in. I want to be all in with you today. I just encourage you to lift your hands towards heaven. Just lift your hands just as an act of surrender. God, I want to be all in today. I want to be all in. I want to be in Christ because in Christ I am 
more than I could ever be on my own. In Christ, I have. In Christ, I will. And in Christ, I can. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I want to be in Christ. Lord, help us to confess truth over our lives. Help us to make room for the love of God and help us to receive the power of God. Maybe you're here today. God, I just want to make room for power. I've been, I've been uneasy about spiritual things. I've been uneasy about the Holy Spirit, maybe even talk of the Holy Spirit, but I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill me today. He doesn't want to make you weird, friend. He wants to make you supernatural. He wants to give you supernatural hope and faith and grace and peace and power. Power to live out His will. That's you today. Holy Spirit, come and fill me today. Lift hands towards heaven. Just surrender to Him. Holy Spirit, come and fill me today. God, I want more of you. Father, I thank you for these people in the room today. These people watching online. We'll watch in the future. Lord, I pray that you would affect us, that you would change us, that we would challenge and push back the negative thoughts that want to try to grow up and sow destructiveness in our lives. Lord, we refuse them today with the truth of God. We refuse them today. We make room for the love of God. We refuse them today. We receive the power of God. Jesus, help us to do what I pray. I ask these things in your name and for your glory and by your power. If that's your prayer this morning, somebody shout it, amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. I'll be here on Wednesday. Hope some of you are here. Um, we're going to continue our Bible study, take next steps in our faith. Um, getting ready for Crave. Invite somebody for next Sunday. God bless you guys. Have a great week.